Hi, this is Ray Edwards, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin. As always, thrilled to have you with us, investing some of your hard-earned time. And as you heard from that intro, I have the one and only Ray Edwards with me today. Ray, how are you? I am filled with joy to be talking with you, John. Oh, well, that's so kind. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. It's not only kind, but it's true. Ah. I think we, we, don't, we don't let people know enough how, how much of a delight they are in our lives and how much a gift they are. And you certainly fit that category. So thanks oh. for inviting me. You bet. You bet. Thank you for being here and for taking the time. You know, folks, I have known of Ray for many, many years. Uh, he has, in some form or fashion, been a coach of mine, a mentor of mine. I have learned so many things from Ray over the years. Uh, I was introduced to Ray from a friend of this show, Mike Kim, who's been on twice. And I'll tell you, there's I've learned so many things from Ray. Now, yes, copywriting was the first thing, but I would say not the most important thing I've learned from Ray. And this was not something I was planning on saying, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway, because I have the opportunity to. It's my show, so I can say it. And that is, Ray, you've taught me an awful lot about life and what it means to be a caring man and to, as you just said, to be sure to let people know how you feel about them because far too many times we let those moments escape and we can never get them back. Oh, wow. What? Thank you. I, I really, I'm honored by that so much. It is so important um, because we, we don't know, none of, we all know this. We know theoretically that we're going to die someday. We're going to be gone from this planet. None of us know what day that's going to happen. It could be today. And I'm okay with that because I know where I'm headed afterwards. I just am not okay with leaving things unsaid that are important to say. Mm. Oh, man. That's perfect. That's perfect. Now, there, I know that some of you out there who are watching and or listening may not know who Ray is. So let me do a, pre, a little bit of an introduction of Ray. Uh, he's a communication strategist. He is a copywriting guru. That's my word, not his. Uh, he's the author of two Amazon bestsellers, How to Write Copy That Sells, which is a fantastic book. And for those of you who are entrepreneurs, you absolutely have to have that book. And the second one is Permission to Prosper, which is every bit as good, but in a slightly different area. Uh, I really do like that. And of course, he is the host of the top-rated podcast show, The Ray Edwards Show. So, Ray, I absolutely love that. But I also know that you hold some other titles very near and dear to your heart. And that is hubby and dad. Oh, absolutely. I mean, two of the most important titles anybody could possibly have, husband and father. Mm -hmm. We need more of both in this world. Yeah. Half the problems or more that we face as a society, as a, as a human race, I think spring out of our inability to effectively manage those relationships of marriage and parenting. And if we could, if we could fill our responsibilities in those areas, so many of the other problems in the world would just vanish. Mm. Oh, man. So well said. Uh, you know, folks, Ray has had some pretty 
amazing clients that he's helped in the past. Uh, some of them you've probably heard of before. Tony Robbins, Michael Hyatt, Dan Miller, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Jeff Walker, and there's many, many more. And those are just some of the ones that we've heard of. And I know there's scores others that we may not know quite as well, but have gone on to do amazing things because of the help that Ray provides. So Ray, in a, in a brief amount of time, kind of tell us how you got your start in this whole copywriting world. And from that start, how did that lead you to where you are today? Well, it really started when I was, I was really young. I mean, I was a kid visiting my grandparents. I visited very often and my grandmother had this uh, newspaper she read and I loved reading the stories in that newspaper. The newspaper, by the way, I found out later was not the most credible newspaper in the world. It was the weekly world news. <laughs> and uh, the, the stories I most enjoyed reading, I found out later also were these full page stories. They were fascinating. They, they had uh, titles like how to rub disease out of your body, or do you have the courage to make $1 million per year? They were ads that were written by the famous, the, like the father of direct response advertising, really, Eugene Schwartz. Mm. He wrote them for books back in the 60s. He, they would charge 10 times the retail price of the book to, to buy it from this ad because the ads made the book sound like they were the keys to all the universe of success might have mm. to offer to you. And I just loved those ads. And so I grew up and got into the radio business and I discovered Gene Schwartz for who he was, this great copywriter. And I thought that's fascinating. I did started studying direct response copy. I came across Jay Abraham and Ted Nicholas. And I just realized here are people who've learned how to take words and they've got a systematic method for turning those words into customers, into dollars, into wealth and helping people at the same time. And I thought that sounds almost like magic. And I want to be able to do that. So I wrote, I started writing ads for our clients at the radio stations and I became very popular with the salespeople because they thought, you know, Ray can sell stuff on the radio for our clients with his copy. And so our clients love him too. So they took me along on their sales appointments and I became the DJ that never got fired. Now <laughs> DJs get fired regularly in radio or they did back when you had DJs back when radio stations were not automated, uh, iPhones plugged into yeah. transmission towers. Yeah. You have real DJs and personalities on. We still have some of that, but not like it used to be. It's okay. I mean, progress is good and it makes people find new skills and new opportunities. But I just learned that. I could write words that would help somebody's business grow and I could get paid for it. I left radio as Steve Jobs introduced the radio killer. It was called the iPod. <laughs> I saw his presentation where he said, you can put a thousand songs in your pockets. And I thought, yeah, but there's no DJs or commercials. Oh, dang. People are going to love that. <laughs> I, I need to find a new business to be in. So I started writing copy for marketers, for business people, just as kind of a side hustle. We didn't have that terminology back then, um, but I just did it freelance. And I was getting paid so much more than it was in revenue. I left the, the radio business, just started writing copy and crafting promotions for people. And I ended up working for a few well-known people. And then they recommended me to their friends. And the rest, as they say, is history. And it continues to this day. I love it. I love the business I'm in. I, I, there's, you know, like every business, there's parts of it that are work, but it's good work. It's, if you do it right with the right ethic and the right intention, it's good work. It helps people. It helps your clients. And I feel good about what I'm doing. So who doesn't want a job like that? I love this job. Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, that really is the essence of what leadership is, right? It's about helping people. I mean, because that's, that's what we're in the business. You're in business to help people. They have a problem. They need a solution. You might have the solution. It's how do you convey that? That's how you help folks like us do that. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I know that some people think that's all bunnies and rainbows, Ray. I'm, I'm in the world of cutthroat business. 
look, I don't believe business is cutthroat. If you're building a successful business long-term, if you're not helping people, you're not going to have a long-term business. It's going to fall apart. You can fool people for a while, but if you want a long-term business, the only way you survive is you actually provide valuable products and services for people that they know they can count on. That's how you survive. And my job is to help communicate that clearly and persuasively. Oh man, Ray. I love that. I love that. Now you do more than just, uh, provide that service personally in your, in your larger business of your, your larger personal brand. You also have an agency, correct? That's correct. Okay. Now tell us a little bit about that. So let's say somebody might not be able to afford to hire Ray. We might be able to hire someone within your agency who, who does it Ray's way, so to speak. Yes. Yes. So this all started because I, I realized there was a limit to how many pieces of good copy I could write every week. I tried to exceed that limit and it, it resulted in my physical and mental exhaustion. So I turned to a mentor, a coach. I've believed in paying for coaching for a long time since I began this business really. And my coach said, well, you need to get other people to do what you're doing. So you, you have some copy cubs and you have them write for your customers. So that's how the agency began in its infancy. Then we figured out we needed to train people how to write copy in a way that I approved of. So we started teaching classes on how to write copy. And now we certify copywriters. So they come to us, they pay us to certify them, which is our certification program is, is tough. There's, there's certifications out there, John, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this. You can get them just by paying a certain fee and they'll send you a certificate that says, yep, he's certified. And they give you access to a course or something to justify that. But there's no testing and there's no feedback and there's no, there's no walking somebody through getting their skill up to competent, then getting it better than competent, helping them improve it over time. So we decided well, we're going to make a real certification program where people actually have to work for the certification. And it's like the hardest sell we have to, sale we have to make when people are interested in that program is telling them, listen to me, you're going to have to work for this. It's not going to be easy, which is not the typical sales pitch. You know, you typically yeah. it's like wave a magic wand over your head and you'll have this magic power. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's, it's wax on, wax off. You got to work hard on the basic moves until you got it down and you can do it well. So we certify people. We only hire for our agency writers who came out of our certification program. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, of course. I mean, if, I've, if I'm setting a standard, why would I not hold my own writers to the same standard? Exactly, exactly. So yeah, we offer all that. And we have educational uh, programs and online courses for people who want to learn how to do it themselves. They don't want certification, but they're like, how do I write email copy to sell more of my products? So we have training for that. And that kind of covers the scope of it. We've got personalized coaching. We've got um, the certification program. We've got the agency if you just want to hire somebody to write your copy. And then we've got do-it-yourself materials if you want to learn to do it yourself which people think is the least expensive way, but it's actually the most expensive way to do it because hmm. you're giving up the one non-renewable resource you have, your time. Mm -hmm. And if you love it and, and you want to do that, then that's great. Do it. But if you don't love it, which is most entrepreneurs, <laughs> even, those, even those who are copywriters, like probably a third of my clients are, I believe, actually better copywriters than I am. Wow. But they're running such big businesses, they don't have time to do it anymore. Oh. And they're like, I just need somebody to do this for me. So. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess let me ask a, a somewhat elementary kind of question here. Not what is copywriting, but why is it important? Because nobody teaches us how to be persuasive. Um, in fact, I think most of our lives, most of our education is built teaching us how to not be persuasive. Because think about it. When you're in school, you go to school every day and the bell rings. And what are the, what's the first thing they tell you to do? Sit down and shut up. And learn these rote items of knowledge that I'm going to teach you and be able to regurgitate them back on a test 
And that whole system is designed to turn out good little robots, which was great for the industrial age, which is where it was invented. It was to train workers to go to factories and do the same thing. Get to the factory, sit down, shut up, do your job, go home. And, uh, you know, the dream was 30 years later, you could retire. We'll give you a pension and a gold watch and life will be idyllic. And that never worked. It worked for a few people. Maybe, um, maybe the guys who are selling the retirement plans, I'm not even sure it worked out for them, but, um, it turns out it just doesn't, doesn't work that way. So I think nobody teaches us how to be persuasive. And I think it's a skill we need to know. I, there's certain things I feel like I wish somebody taught me in school, how to balance my checkbook, mm. how to stay out of debt, how to, how to start saving money from day one, my first job. So that by the time I'm 40, I could be a millionaire, like a, a cash millionaire. Mm. And I think somebody should teach us how to have relationships mm. and somebody should teach us how to make money because that's the currency of life in the world. So relationships, revenue and responsibility Love and, that. and, to, and to make revenue, you've got to be able to communicate the value of what you do to your customers clearly and persuasively. And if you don't, you won't have very many customers. So that's why you can be the, like the best electrician in the entire city and have no customers because nobody knows about you. And there's that saying, you know, if, if you build a better mousetrap, the world will be a path to your door. Mm -hmm. Not if they've never heard of you or your mousetrap or where your door is. Mm. Oh man, that's so good. That is so good. So you've built a great case here for copywriting, being persuasive, if you will, and why that's important. Now, obviously copywriting for the most part is in written form, but what you're advocating, at least that's what I'm hearing is the persuasiveness, no matter what form of communication you're doing, because sometimes you don't have the opportunity to write it out. It's going to be a face-to-face -face or it's going to be over zoom or whatever. Absolutely. And you know, it's more and more true now than it ever was. I mean, think about how you, how you consume material on your phone, which is by the way, this, this little thing you right here, this is the marketing platform that you're faced with in the future, whether you like it or not. I mean, men of a certain age tend to have a computer on their desk and a screen in front of them. Like you and I both have that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what we started out in this world of computing and online business and games. That's what we started with. But now today, what everybody's using is this, they're using their phone. So people are resistant to this, but I'm telling you, I, we just looked at our stats recently and saw that like 80% of our sales come from mobile devices. Wow. And we had been until very recently, just building our pages, our sales pages, our videos, we've been building them for desktops. And I realized, well, we, we just can't do that anymore. And I, I'm late to that game. So we've, we've optimized everything now first. We optimized first for mobile, for the, for the vertical phone. You know, I was one of the guys in the early days of, vert, of video when the TikTok and, well, TikTok wasn't even here yet. There was all these other services where people were making vertical videos. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's, that's wrong. That's not how you do it. You're holding your camera wrong. Well, yeah. guess what? This is how people consume material. So it's video first, then audio, then text. That's the priority. So you've got to learn to communicate effectively in all those different modalities. And, you know, it's just communication, just communication. Communication is, <laughs> is the, is the, is the currency of, of life, of being in interaction with other human beings. You have to be able to communicate with them. So that's why those who are good talkers tend to do better in terms of relationships and revenue. They're good at having conversations. It's not just talking at people. It's doing what you and I are doing right now, having an interchange. I know I'm doing a lot of the talking because you caught me at the time of day when I've had the most coffee. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Uh, to hear you because that's why folks are tuning in is to hear Ray. But, uh, but I'll tell you, Ray, you know, one of the things that I have been in some public forum of speaking for nearly 30 years of my life, and 
I can tell you I am a communicator snob. I have no problem saying that. Just because you have a message doesn't mean you know how to say it. Well, you're, and you're very good at it. So you, you've <laughs> earned a, a, a wee bit of snobbery. Since you admit it so publicly, I know there's also some humility that goes with that. I think both are good. Well, I appreciate that. And you know, the thing is, is I have been around a lot of people, Ray, who are amazing communicators. I mean, very, very good verbal communicators. I meet them and then 10 years later, I hear them again. They're at exactly the same level because all they're doing is using their gift. They don't work at it. And that's what I tell people all the time. You might not be a great oral communicator right now, I said, but if you work at it, if you put the effort in, I guarantee you, you can be better than someone who is, who is God-given in their gift of gab, but they don't work at it. So it's a skill like any other that each of us can learn. Yes. Yes. And that's so important. What you just said, I'm very careful these days. I try not to ever say to anybody they're very talented or gifted because, um, I think it's important that I recognize the work they've put in on their craft. And it's also important for other people to hear that. Cause if we're just talking to talented, gifted people, like on our podcast all the time, that means to the average listener, I'm the average listener and I'm thinking, well, I'm not talented or gifted. So that leaves me out of that game. Mm. No, it, it there's a there's a movie that uh, Anthony Hopkins was in called The Edge, and um, Alec Baldwin was in this movie also. And this, the story is they're in a plane that crashes in Alaska, and there's this small group of men trying to survive in the Alaskan tundra, and um, they're tested because there's a bear stalking them, and the bear has a taste for human flesh, <laughs> so it's picking them off one by one. And uh, turns out there's a point in the story where Anthony Hopkins is trying to convince everybody that they need to do this really hard thing in order to survive. And they're all saying why well, it can't be done. And he becomes very angry and he begins giving this impassioned speech and he ends it with this. He says, what one man can do, another man can do. And it became their mantra in this movie. It's, it's an incredibly inspiring movie, great metaphor for life. And I, I hear that in my head often, what one man can do, another man can do. You can learn to communicate more persuasively. I don't want to just rely on my gifts because you know what? Gifts can fade. Gifts can be taken away. Um, you can you can have you can have an accident and you're no longer the athlete that you once were. You could have an illness, <laughs> or you could have a stroke and you can no longer speak the way you once spoke. What happens then? If you've invested in building a skill, not always. There's no guarantees in life, but building a skill and honing a craft, I think, has much more long-term payoff than just leaning back, relying on your gift to sort of wing your way through life. Absolutely. Man, well said. Well said. You know, I know, I know our time is limited, so there's a few things I want to get to. Um, your most recent book, The Permission to Prosper, what was the inspiration for the book? Why write that book? Because it's so different from the first one you wrote. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, it's an answer to an argument and a challenge I've, I've encountered so much, I felt like I just had to write the book. And the argument and the challenge is there's, a, there's an underlying perception in most people's minds, whether they're aware of it or not, that business and wealth building and entrepreneurialism is somehow corrupt. That mm. people who make lots of money have somehow done so by taking advantage of those who don't have lots of money. They're, they're taking advantage of their workers. They're, they're stealing from the marketplace. They're overcharging. They have too much money. You know, Elon Musk shouldn't have all that money. It's not right. Look what he could do if he gave away all that money. Now, I admit, when Elon Musk said, I'm going to buy Twitter for $42 billion, I did find myself thinking, gosh, it seems like there's better things to do with $42 billion. <laughs> 
And then I realized, but it's not my 42 billion. So therefore it's not my right to say that. If I do think it's my right, and I think we should go storm Elon's castle and take his money. Now we're thieves mm -hmm. and that's not right either. So each individual has to make up their mind what they're going to do with the money they, they earn, the, the wealth they build. But building wealth in itself is not evil. There's, it's virtuous if done in combination with good morals and good ethics. Building wealth is, it, it creates, there are temptations. The wealthier, more successful you become, the more temptations you're faced with. So it's a good idea to surround yourself with people who keep you on the path and help you resist the temptations. That's just good common sense. But I wanted to write this book to say to people, you have permission to prosper. And for those who are spiritually inclined, I believe that prosperity is a God ordained calling. I'm not saying I'm not one of those uh, prosperity gospel guys who says, if you love Jesus and you send donations to my ministry, you'll get miraculous checks in the mail from nowhere. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm saying that God set things up so that, and if you don't believe in God, then you can just look at it as this is the way the world works. Both series will work. One of them has eternal consequences. The other doesn't. Well, the other does, you just don't know it yet. So just think on that. But as we move forward, the world is set up so that if I have something of value and I offer it to you and you're willing to give me some value in exchange, because you don't know how to make shoes, but you need shoes for your family. So you give me some coins. Now I've got value in the coins. You've got value in the shoes for your kids. We, we both win, the kids win. And the more wealth you build, that wealth gets redistributed back into the economy because you got to buy things to build the things you build. You know, people say, well, you shouldn't have a, your own private jet. I don't, I don't have a jet, but if I did, people might, people would say you shouldn't have your own private jet, but you know what? Somebody had to build that jet. Somebody had to build the parts that go into the engine, had to make the seats, had to make the buttons on the control panel. All these jobs are created for people because somebody wanted a private jet. Mm -hmm. So wealth building done correctly, success pursued correctly is virtuous and it prosper. You can't prosper yourself long-term without prospering everybody else who comes into contact with you and your business also. Perfect. I love that. I know our time is growing short, so I want to get to a couple other really quick things. Number one is I ask all my guests about their go-to habit, something that you believe is absolutely essential for your life and for the lives of other entrepreneurs. Reading, learning, essential. I was, it's funny you should mention this. I was just looking at my habits today. There's, I've got a number of habits I aspire to have daily and it may or may not surprise you. Only one of the 10 habits I'm tracking right now. Have I, in, have I done every single day since I started tracking it for 212 days in a row now? I've, I've gone back through the notes I've made on books I've read previously, reviewing the learnings I got from those books. I keep all my notes for my books in my, um, electronically. I keep them in my Kindle. And then I have, um, I use an app called notion. And I keep track of them, the, the, the notes I've written there also. And I have an app that helps coordinate all that. It's called Readwise. You, you may not want to know this, but it's kind of geeky, but Readwise taps into my Kindle notes and highlights and it goes through all my notes and says, okay, here's five notes we're going to show you today that you wrote. And I just go back through and review things I highlighted and wrote about books I read. So I've, I've been reviewing my reading notes every day now for 212 days in a row and I'm reading and I'm writing every day. So I guess that's two or three habits. Those are my go-to habits, reading, learning, and writing. Okay. Love that, Ray. Well, we're coming up to our wrap-up time. Typically I have a final four, but I think we're short on time. So I'm going to try. Let's do the final four. Let's do them. Okay. They're, they're quick. So just first thing pops in your head. Question number one, why did God create Ray? Because nobody else could do exactly the things that God created Ray to do. 
that may be one of the most unique answers I've had yet. I think it's true for every one of us. God, it's, it's an interesting question. It may not be right. It may not be the right answer. But I, I did what you asked me to do. I just gave you the first thing that came to my mind. I believe that God created each of us with a purpose. He had things in mind for us to do while we're here. And I believe some of those things only we can do. Now, God will achieve his purposes no matter what. But I think he leaves it for us to achieve the ones he made for us as a gift. He didn't. And, and these things are hidden. We have to figure out what they are. Uh, mm -hmm. But somebody once said, God didn't hide things from us. He hid things for us. And that's the joy of life, discovering what those things are. I my like opinion. I like that differentiation. Thank you. All right. Question two. Uh, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? I'm reading, uh, rereading actually a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. Oh. We were talking about habits. Mm -hmm. That's you know, when I, I'll just say this, if you've never read this book or you haven't really deeply read it slowly and considered the ideas in it, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, great, another book about habits. It's just going to be another one of those things regurgitating everything everybody else has ever written about habits. And as I began this new reading of it, I realized this book is so deep. There's so much really important thinking that went on in writing this book. James Clear did a fantastic job with the book. I highly recommend it. Atomic Habits. Oh, yes. Very good. What do you do for fun? Play with my dogs, go hiking, take photographs, spend time with my wife, eat good food. I got lots of ways to have fun, man. <laughs> well, those all sound fantastic. By the way, folks, he lives up in the Northwest, so it's beautiful country up there. It is beautiful. We have this thing called winter that comes around for like six months out of every year. I don't enjoy that as much as I used to, but <laughs> it is beautiful. Oh, I get that. I get that. And last question, what are you most grateful for? Today, this moment. Mm. The only thing we really have a grasp on. We spend so much of our time, John, looking to the future, which has not arrived yet. We have no control over it, really. We have some control over what we do. On a good day, I have control of what I do. We have no control to, to change the past. What we have in our possession is this present moment. And so often, we, I have squandered it so often because I was thinking about being somewhere else, doing something else at another time, and often missed the thing that was happening right in front of my face. So I'm most grateful for this moment right now the chance to talk with you. Mm. Well, uh, thank you, Ray. I appreciate that. Um, and I certainly appreciate your time today. It's very valuable. I want you to know that it, it means a lot to me that you took the time to spend with me and with the audience here to be able to share just a little bit about you, your story, and how you're changing the world. Because I think you are. You're changing the world in many ways, not the least of which is one written and verbal word at a time. Oh, thank you. I, th I believe you're also changing the world. I think we all have the opportunity to do that. We don't realize the power of the little acts of kindness or unkindness that we perform each day. So thank you for that. I'm honored by it. I'm, it's my honor to be here, my privilege. And uh, keep doing what you do because it's important. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate that. And thanks to all of you for tuning in today. You know that I don't take this time lightly because it is your most precious resource. And as Ray said earlier, it is not renewable. So thank you for spending the time with us today. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.